following resource is from Welford Baptist Church. Well, grab your Bibles and open them to Exodus chapter 7. As we get back into our series, Exodus Always a Way Out. You ever have one of those days where everything seems to go wrong? I had a day like that recently where it just seemed like I had problems that were weighing on my mind and things I tried to accomplish I, I, I couldn't do. And as I prepared for the message today, I just really had to confess to the Lord and pray to Him, Lord, I've been so selfish and, and I've been so small because I realized as I study this text, our problems are nothing compared to the problems that the Israelites faced in Egypt. I mean, these plagues these people endured were such grand attacks upon that nation and they had to suffer just like everybody else. Not only did the people in the Exodus account face problems that overshadowed their, my own, but the world today faces problems. You think about all the, the evil in the world today, all the wickedness. And as we think about an unspeakable time coming that Revelation describes as the great tribulation period. Revelation 6 through 9 speaks of a day where there's going to be more plagues. And as you wouldn't have wanted have been with Egypt in the first plague, you certainly don't want to be around after the rapture of the church that starts the tribulation period. So we can compare the the Exodus passage uh, and the tribulation of Revelation because they're remarkable in similarity. I just, like you, wouldn't have wanted to be around then and I wouldn't want to be around after the rapture of the church. Because what we see is that Pharaoh hardened his heart as the plagues came. And then during the tribulation period, there are going to be people who survive the plagues and they're going to harden their hearts, the Bible says, over and over. But in both cases, true believers are saved and delivered. So here's our first big idea. God has a bigger plan with a greater purpose than merely our comfort. This is such an obvious truth, but it's one that's so easily forgotten. God does not exist for you. He doesn't exist for me. It's really hard to grasp, but God has a bigger plan than simply making us comfortable and making us feel good. One day, we're going to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. For the Israelites, it was a, a particular landmass here on earth. For us, it's going to be heaven. It's going to be paradise. And I look forward to that day where every tear will be wiped away and every problem solved. But as we make our way through life, God has plans for us. And it's bigger than just our comfort. You see, winning the lottery, people will not be moved to say, wow, look at what God has done. In fact, one guy said, God finally answered my prayers for winning the lottery. He said, the answer is no. <laughs> now, the Egyptian scratches his head when he realizes and sees what God does in our lives through our difficulties in our families, in our relationships, at work or at school. And somehow we walk through them victoriously. And he thinks, wow, I want what he or she has. There were some billboards that popped up around the Spartanburg area not long ago that intrigued me. Ones that looked like this. You may have seen them. I was confused, but I was also curious. 
Curiosity not only killed the cat, but it was killing me to try to find out what these billboards were all about. I came home, I asked Melody, have you seen the billboards? She said, yes. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I even did a deep dive through Google. I went on the internet. I tried to, you know, advertisement, billboards, Spartanburg. Couldn't find a thing. No success. I couldn't discover what they were for, who created them. Nothing. Then one day I noticed the billboards suddenly changed and now they looked like this. It was an advertising campaign for an air conditioning company. An air conditioning company. Well, it worked because it got my attention, okay? Finding the right comfort level may be the number one goal for an air conditioning company, but it's not the number one goal for a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God has a much bigger plan for us than merely our comfort. What is God's bigger plan? Well, let's see as we follow along in our Bibles, Exodus 7, verses 1 through 13. And the Lord said to Moses... See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. And you shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. Verse 5, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Pull out your listening guides and fill in these spaces. Beginning with, don't want to run away from problems. Grow spiritually strong from them. God's answer to Moses in the passage we just read is in response to Moses' question back at the end of chapter 6, verse 30. Look there in your Bibles. Exodus six thirty. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And then in just these first five verses of chapter 7, we discover that Moses doesn't run away from his problems. He grows spiritually stronger from them. You see, Moses was to speak on behalf of of God to Pharaoh. That is, he would be like God to Pharaoh. He would have the authority of God himself when he spoke these words. Moses was not alone. He had a fellow servant, Aaron, who would also be his spokesman according to verses 1 through 2. So God instructs instructs Moses, go speak to Pharaoh. Yes, there's going to be challenges. Yes, there's going to be tribulation. Yes, there's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties because you're going to be affected by my judgment as much as the Egyptians are. 
But it's all part of God's greater purpose and plan to provide freedom for the Israelites, but also to give revelation to the Egyptians. In our lives today, we cry out, Lord, free me. Set me free from this Egyptian type of of bondage or oppression or trouble or difficulty. Set me free from a type of baking bricks under the scorching desert sun. And God tells us, just like he told them, I'm going to deliver you, but I have a bigger plan. There are Egyptians who are lost, and they need to see my mighty acts through you. We say, I'm tired of my situation. My my boss is cruel. My trials are great. Lord, why don't you free me? And he says, I will in due time. And we ask, why do I have to endure the trial? I mean, God, if you're so powerful and you're able, why don't you just move and bring me success? And the Lord answers, I've got two things going on simultaneously. I'm bringing you into the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. But at the same time, there are people watching your actions, your responses to the trials you face, and I want them to see what I can do, and I want to use you to show them. You see, God has no limitations in being able to use those willing to serve him. Look at verses uh, 6 and 7 again. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Imagine these two older guys standing toe to toe with this Egyptian emperor. The leader of the most powerful nation in the world at this time. And he's an evil leader, a cruel leader at that. What a lesson for us. We're never too old to be used by God. You see, I think about growing older. I like to use the term growing older because it sounds much better than I'm old, okay? (laughs) Saying older is like I haven't arrived yet, okay? It's a future destination. And age is really a relative term, is it not? How many of you thought when you were a teenager that if you were over 50, you had one foot in the grave, okay? And now that you're over 50, 80 doesn't sound that bad, does it? (laughs) 80 is the new 60, I've heard, okay? Listen to the words of Isaiah 46, verse 4. Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I can relate to that, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. Because God meets the needs of his people No matter what those needs are. If you need to be encouraged by God this morning, he's there to offer encouragement. If you need some hope this morning, God will be your hope. If you need peace, God will be your source of peace. But listen, you have to place your faith in him, okay? It doesn't just happen automatically. God didn't create us as robots. He gave us a free will and we can either choose to accept his peace and love and and grace and comfort or we can reject it like Pharaoh did. God will call you to serve him time and time again. He doesn't want you refusing him because you say, I'm limited. I don't have the resources. There's no limitation that's too big for our God to overcome. And here's a truth I think is evident in our world today, even when it comes to believers. People don't think enough about the demonic battles they face every 
day. Verse 8, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff, throw it down before Pharaoh, and it may become a serpent, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, did just as the Lord commanded. He cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants. It became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Aaron cast down his rod, and it became a snake. The magicians cast down their rods, and they became snakes too. Now, who are these magicians? Paul identifies them as Janes and Jambres. 2 Timothy 3.8, men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. How were they able to duplicate these miracles? By tapping into the demonic occultist power of which the Egyptian culture was very familiar. Beware of the Janzes and Jane Breezes of the world today. You encounter them all the time. We don't always recognize them because we're not looking for them. But beware of the demonic battles you face each day. Engage your mind with what is going to happen each day that you wake up because there is a battle going on, not between flesh and blood, but in the spiritual world between spiritual principalities. And we are a part of that battle. We might be tempted to write off Egyptian polytheism. You see, the Egyptians were polytheistic. Egyptologists tell us there were more than 80 major gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And it's easy for us to write that off and say, well, that's ancient history. But modern man is polytheistic as well. We worship many false gods. We bow down before the gods of power, money, sex, pleasure, Sports, popularity, entertainment, technology, knowledge, and many other false gods. But our modern gods all have one common characteristic. They all indulge in a person's selfishness in the flesh. These false gods entice our selfishness because a false idol is really anything that controls our lives. The true power behind the false gods of Egypt and the power behind man's idols today is satanic in nature. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells us so. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, listen to this. The devil who rules this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They cannot see the light of God, of the good news, the good news about the glory of Christ, who is exactly like God. You see, this, this study of the book of Exodus is not so much a struggle between Moses and Pharaoh or even between the Hebrews and the Egyptians. Rather, it's an account of God's victory over all false gods and the satanic forces behind them. You hear kids on the playground. You've heard this before. Uh, my dad's bigger than your dad. You know, right? My dad can beat up your dad. Well, this passage is about the fact that our God is bigger than their gods. There is nothing threatening you today that is bigger than Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, For the Lord your God 
is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome. Now, if you've been here through our study of Exodus in the previous chapters, you know that Moses and Aaron have already appeared before Pharaoh and asked him to let God's people go. You remember what the result was. Pharaoh punished them by having them to gather straw to make bricks. So they go back in what we're reading this morning and they perform the sign of the serpent. Pharaoh's sorcerers replicated Moses' feet. But because of what happens in verse 12, we learn that other religions offer miracles. What they don't offer is salvation. Look at verse 12. For each man cast down his staff and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I hate snakes, okay? And I got to tell you, as I prepared this passage this week, I literally had a dream about snakes, okay? So I want you to know how much your pastor sacrifices in sermon preparation. I don't avoid the text. I don't stop thinking about it. I'm constantly thinking about it, getting ready for Sunday morning, and I, I don't like snakes. You don't have to worry about me becoming a snake handling preacher, okay? I don't know what I would have done if I'd been there in the battle of the snakes. Most snakes, after a fight, hiss and make up, okay? But not these, okay? Aaron defeats the snakes. It's not even much of a battle, is it? I mean, he just swallows the other snakes up. It kind of reminds me of the war in heaven that the Bible describes when Lucifer thought that he could be greater than God. And the Bible says that God cast him out. And he sent a third of the angels with him. And I think about, well, what, what was that like? You know, it doesn't seem like much of a battle. God just cast him out. That's what happens here. Not much of a battle between the, the rods, between the snakes. I like that Aaron's snake swallowed up the magician's snakes, don't you? Aaron's snake just got bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger until it just swallowed the others up. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you come across any serpents, they will not hurt you. Mark 16, 18. In this passage, God at last starts to act instead of just telling Moses what he's going to do. And he acts so that all may know he is God. Look at verse 17 of this chapter. By this you will know that I am the Lord. You don't have to turn there, but let me quote Exodus 9, 14. So that you may know that there is no one like me. In all the earth. Chapter 10 verse 2. So that you may know that I am the Lord. God makes himself known. And in chapters 8 verse 16. The Egyptian magicians themselves have to even confess. This is the finger of God. God is acting to show his character, his salvation and who he is. As we go through our study of Exodus, we will see that Pharaoh 11 times altogether hardens his heart. And our hearts will harden too, listen, unless we soften them to respond to what God calls us to do. 
You talk to many people today, and they don't even believe in the supernatural. They don't even believe in the spiritual world. And those of us who do believe that sometimes if we could just see a miracle, if we could just see a supernatural act, it would encourage our faith, and it would enlighten others who don't believe in God. No, it wouldn't. Take a look at uh, verse 13 of chapter 7. After the staff becomes a snake, Pharaoh's heart becomes hard, and he doesn't listen to them. You know, one reason Pharaoh responded this way, because he could have said, you know, these miracles are not unique to your religion. My magicians can do the same thing. The Bible is unashamedly supernatural and insists that God can and does control the natural world. It also teaches that miracles are not unique to the Christian faith. There are demonic beings with supernatural powers. And they can do miracles too. The devil is a good businessman and he gives attractive discounts in order to get regular customers. So lots of other religions offer miracles and supernatural works. What they don't offer is salvation. The magicians could could reproduce more blood in chapter 7 verses 14 through 25. And we'll look at that next week. But what they couldn't do is they couldn't take the blood away. Nevertheless, more blood was good enough for Pharaoh. So in verse 22, Pharaoh's heart becomes hard just as the Lord said. In the plague of the frogs, Pharaoh seems to begin to recognize that other religions can't provide salvation as well as miracles. You see, the magicians can create more frogs all right, But that's somewhat inconvenient because they get in the mixing bowls of the bread dough and the frogs get all over the place, according to chapter 8, verse 3. So you go around the corner to Panera Bread and you order a frog's legs sandwich. You expect all you're going to get is legs in the sandwich. But that's not all you get. You bite into the classic sourdough and oh, frog's eyeballs are staring back at you. As you try to eat your sandwich. And you pray to the Lord, take away the frogs. You would have thought that the magicians would have made the frogs go away. But when Pharaoh wants the frogs gone, according to chapter 8, verse 8, he doesn't turn to his sorcerers. He turns to Moses. And he says, pray that the Lord will take the frogs away. Pastor Craig is going to be preaching more in depth on this text of the plague of the frogs two weeks from today as I'm going to be away preaching revival services in North Carolina at the first church that called me to preach after seminary. And I'm excited about being there and I'm excited about him having fun with this text. I hope you'll come out in two weeks and hear about that. For today, as believers, we're not free from demonic attacks, but we are immune from their effects. Snakes show up and and, and they strike, but we can shake them off. They don't hurt us. Even though the enemy was able to produce snakes, Aaron's rod swallowed them up. You remember as, as Paul put wood on a fire and a snake in the sticks felt the heat and wanted to escape, its fangs fastened upon Paul's hands. Observing this, the natives decried Paul must be a murderer to deserve such a fate. But when, when they, then when they saw that he just shook off the snake, 
that was, that was venomous and it didn't affect him, they changed their minds and they decided he must be some kind of God. Joshua and Caleb were among the 12 spies who spied out the land of promise. The land is a glorious place. These two said to the children of Israel when they returned, but there are giants there and we're like grasshoppers in their sights, the other 10 spies said. No, God's with us. These guys will eat them up. We'll win the battle. But the, Lord, but the people listened to the ten instead of the two. And they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. Don't run away from challenges. Don't run away from obstacles. Don't run away from trouble. Instead, say this is an opportunity like Aaron's rod for me to grow stronger. For me to grow uh, bigger. For me to show God's glory. And now for some personal application. Number one, discover new aims, new directions, and new things that you can do for God. I think the big question is do we want to discover new things that we can do for God? Because you see, you either be like Moses and follow God and what he's calling you to do, or you'll be like Pharaoh and you'll reject God. Now, no matter how old you are, you could be nine, you could be 19, you could be a 90. But we have a choice to make. And we all want to picture ourselves like Moses. Yeah, I want to have that kind of faith. I want to stand up to evil. I want to stand up for what's true in my world today. And you can if, if you submit yourself to the Lord and let him use his power through you. But we don't think about ourselves being more like Pharaoh so many times. Hearts hardened, fighting against God's plans rather than working with Him. But you see, the choice is ours. And you can choose to honor Him with your life or you can choose to live for yourself. When you honor Him, what it looks like is something like this Your boss says to a co worker, you know, he's not only a great worker in the company, but he's also a Christian. Your coach, says to a fellow faculty member at school, you know, she's not only a charismatic cheerleader and works hard, but she's also a regular attender of her youth group. In the book of Exodus, there's always a goal. There's always an objective. It has been before Moses as he's followed the Lord. And we see its fulfillment as we go through these chapters, eventually ending up in the parting of the Red Sea as God's people exit to safety. Secondly, use your circumstances to your advantage. Moses and Aaron used their circumstances to reach their goal. You had this awful situation where the terrible plagues were coming. They were afflicting Egypt, but they were also afflicting God's people. Moses declared to Israel that God had brought the plagues upon Egypt to show that he alone is God, there is no other. The Lord is the God of redemption and salvation. The psalmist challenges us, even today as we have the psalms recorded, to learn from the plagues that God cast upon Egypt to make sure we don't forget his judgment. Listen to these words, Psalm 78, 42 and 43. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe, when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zoan. Some people plan that one day they're going to start giving 10% of their income, a tithe, to the church and, and support God's work. Others plan one day they're going to start attending church more faithfully, maybe even go on Wednesday night. 
Still others plan that someday, somehow, somewhere, when the, when the sun is shining, they're going to they're gonna write a poem or they're going to create some kind of piece of music. But the best of poetry and music are not made at times like that. Most of the time, it comes out of suffering. John Milton, John Milton, the great poet, was blind. Beethoven was deaf. Historical novelist and playwright Walter Scott was lame. Robert Louis Stevenson had tuberculosis. Johnny Erickson Tata is a quadriplegic. And the great concert pianist David Helfcott was certified as insane. But they all use their circumstances to achieve their goals. And so can you and I when we allow God to work through us. Don't let your handicap, your limitation, your circumstances, the mountain you face, keep you from achieving what God wants to do through your life. Moses was a sheep herder. Moving from place to place, taking care of animals. Now he's in the grand palace of Egypt. And there would be some that say, well, it's over now. He's a slave. He's before Pharaoh. Pharaoh's in charge. But that's not so. That wasn't the end of his life. That was the beginning. Notice what happened. Moses was successful. He uh, achieved great things. He overcame every obstacle and did what God called him to do. And listen, the Bible says, did you catch that? Moses and Aaron were the ripe old ages of 80 and 83. Some of you watching online have been in and out of the hospital. Others maybe have been doing self-harm or or you've been struggling with self-image issues. Others uh, who are listening maybe on our podcast that we have through audio are battling discouragement. But there's nowhere that God cannot see you, hear you, reach you, and use you for His glory. Thirdly, speak on behalf of God. God wanted Moses and Aaron to be his spokespersons and he wants you and me to speak for him today. To be his witnesses wherever we go. As Moses and Aaron shared their faith, they also faced trying circumstances just like you and me. I mean, think about it. From morning to evening, they were under the thumb of this evil emperor. But to reach anybody for Christ, you don't have to be an expert But it does help to own your faith. You're not just repeating what somebody else said. You're not just repeating something that somebody else believes. No, this is your faith. So I challenge you to know what you believe about the Trinity as it's described in the Bible. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Know what you believe about Jesus' atoning sacrifice. Know what you believe about how people are saved and how some people are lost. And two of the best ways for you to grow in your knowledge and faith in Christ is one, take notes when I preach. Write down the truths that you learn from the preaching time so that you can put them in a binder or a notebook. You can have them to refer to later on and you can better remember what you learn. Secondly, join a life group small member class and attend faithfully. You see, it's in these times of small group Bible studies that we really grow and mature in our faith because we're interacting with other believers. We have these discussions. We can ask questions. We can learn from other people. It's a great way to do life together. And then fourthly, maximize your opportunities. There are always opportunities for us to serve the Lord. 
We just have to look for them. Our job is to find them, and then once we find them, maximize them. Even in slavery, Moses and Aaron made the most and maximized the opportunities they were presented with. As they spoke to Pharaoh, listen, they were under the watchful eye of the palace guards. The very people who were there to make sure they didn't get away were also hearing about the great works of God and how God was doing all of this. God not only wanted Pharaoh to turn to him, he wanted all of Egypt to turn to him. So Moses and Aaron spoke the gospel boldly. What opportunities do we have to speak the gospel in school or at work or in our neighborhood or even here at church or in our circle of friends? Be a witness to others. Let it be conversational. Include your own struggles. Listen to what they have to say and be respectful. We don't have to agree on everything, but we should respect one another. Many times people will will, will be watching how you respond to your trials and finding out how they can have what you have. As we prepare for our response time, I got to be honest with you, I, I struggle with this part of the service sometimes. I struggle because I want us to know what we're responding to and how we can respond. As I was thinking about it, I said, well, we're responding to the gospel message that we just heard. And some ways that we can respond, I think that you could respond by just simply standing and singing this final song. That could be your response out of a heart of commitment, out of a heart of dedication. I think if you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and and personal Savior, you could respond by repenting of your sins, which means turning away from your sins and turning to God through Christ. Confessing Jesus as Lord of your life and then thanking Him for what He did on that cross. And if you haven't done that, that could be your response. And I encourage you to do it and then come forward and let us know about it. If you're already a Christian, you can come down front and let Uh, Pastor Craig or I pray with you. There's a need in your life. Somebody you know right now that that needs prayer. Let us join you in that prayer. Maybe you need prayer. Let us pray with you. You can also come and and make these steps by, by kneeling an altar to God and worship Him and pray to Him directly. I just want us to open our hearts. And as the Holy Spirit leads, I want us to follow what He says. And then we'll give Him the glory. Let me close with this story and then we can all respond in one of the ways I just mentioned. At the turn of the 20th century, one of the greatest American evangelists was a guy by the name of Billy Sunday. He once challenged people like this. If Jesus taught a Sunday school class today, would he put as little heart in it as you do? Would he go to prayer meeting as little as you do? Would he sing and testify as little as you do? Would he do as little witnessing as you do? Would he spend as little on the church and as much on himself as you do? Would he pray as little and do as little to get answers to prayer as you do? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our church, visit welfordchurch.org. Blessings.